Hi guys, Darcy Brown here from Henderson Advocacy and welcome to No Local. I'm here today with James O'Shea from Green Apples Finance. James, great to see you. Thanks Darcy, it's really good to see you too. Mate, what's the uh, the new financial year bringing in terms of lending? Well, there's some really exciting stuff going on in um, 2021, um, as there was sort of last year as well. Um, we're sort of getting through the COVID pandemic now. Um, getting a bit of financial recovery, um, as you guys would see in the market. Um, some really exciting things happening in finance as well. Um, so we're seeing a lot of first home buyer benefits coming in, a lot of schemes to um, help people out. Um, also some schemes for single parents as well. Um, and yeah, we're really, it's really looking good for the end of the year right now. Yeah, nice, okay. So what sort of first home buyers schemes are we looking at now? So we've always had the, um, the first homeowners grant for people um, buying new houses and building, but there's a really exciting one that um, actually started last year. It's called the First Home Loan Deposit Scheme. So um, 10,000 spots and all you need is a 5% deposit and obviously to be able to meet the lender's requirements. Um, it, what it does is it takes away the lender's mortgage insurance portion of it, which can save buyers up to $20,000 of saving a deposit. Yeah, well, wow. okay. Pretty exciting stuff for first-time buyers this year, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. So we, we see all these, at the moment we're seeing a lot of record low interest rates. So tell me, who has the best interest rates? So it's, that's a, that, again, is a really good question because when you look on the TV, you see lowest interest rate this, lowest interest rate that. But I don't like to talk too much about interest rates because if you do what everyone else is doing, you might get stuck. So it's actually about your personal circumstances when applying for a loan and then finding the best interest rate and the best product for yourself. For instance, you can come to me and you, I can give you the best interest rate of, say, 1.79% fixed and two years later, you've wanted to pay extra off your home loan, you've got um, disposable income there, but you haven't been able to do that because there's limits around what you can pay in a fixed loan. So it's really around the conversation of what's, what's the best thing for you um, and how are you going to pay that off? What are your future investments look like? Just all, all of those type of things will work towards how we find the best interest rate for you. So it's not what's the best interest rate out there, it's what's the best interest rate for you. Right, okay. So it's definitely not a one-size-fits-all one type measure. It's... It's definitely tailored to your needs. Absolutely. And a lot of, as I said before, a lot of the marketing is, is around interest rates and that's just designed to get you in the door. Most of the times we find when we speak to people, they've gone into like local building societies or big banks with the promise of this interest rate, that interest rate, but it doesn't actually suit their needs. Um, everything that we do is about suiting your needs. Um, and it's not just about, as I've said, it's not just about interest rates. You can get the cheapest interest rate and it can take three months for them to even have a look at your loan. So... <laughs> That I would say for most people, that's not going to really suit their needs. Sure. Okay. So as a mortgage broker, are you are you married to a lender or a bank or? No, actually, I'm actually the opposite of that, to be honest. <laughs> um, so we don't work for the banks. The banks work for us. Right. Um, and we work for you. Hmm. So when you come to us, once again, we're going to find out what, what the best option is for you. We're going to look at all the banks. We've got over 45 different banks that um, we can put applications through. Um, and it goes through waves. So banks treat their policies and interest rates based on how much um, business they want at any given time. 
So I would say at any given time, I'm using at least 10 of those 45 banks to um, service our clients. Yeah, nice. Okay. So it's you're definitely looking for the, the right bank for the, for the client. So it's definitely a, a case of finding the, the, the correct lender. Yeah, so I think I touched on before. So a really big thing at the moment um, in this climate is turnaround times. Mm-hmm. So um, some of the bigger banks are taking one to three months to basically approve a loan, get documents out and settle it. And as you know, in this climate, we don't have time to do that. Mm. So there are other lenders out there that we can get approvals in less than a week and documents in less than a week. We could potentially settle three weeks from doing an application. So that obviously depends on the client as well, on what type of income they've got, what type of deposit they've got and everything like that. But I think it's, I think it's really important to make sure that your lender really suits what your needs are um, and also what your future needs are. It's not just, let's just find, let's find a bank. Oh, I just, I deal with this bank all the time. Let's just go see them and then um, hopefully it works with them. If not, just go and find something else because that's pretty much the opposite of what we should be doing as mortgage brokers. Sure, sure. And it's so important. It's very crucial in this, this current heated marketplace that we are living through at the moment, you know, having finance approved and, and your finances sorted uh, before you obviously go into negotiate on a property is extremely important. And I, and I think that's where, I think that's where communication comes into it. Hmm. I think with like um, talking to yourself and talking with real estate agents and everything like that, it's around the communication of what's needed. So if, if someone's coming to me for a refinance, then okay, you might have all the time in the world to doing what you want to do. But if you're coming to me because you want to go to auction on Saturday, then yes, you probably should have come to me two or three weeks ago, but it is what it is and that's the world that we live in, as I'm sure that you're aware. But um, we, need, we need to figure out how that's going to work for you. There's no use me going, oh, okay, go to, go to auction and hopefully this bank will approve you in three months sure. because that's obviously not going to work. That's it, sure. So can people with pre-approval bid at auction? So pre-approval, it's a funny term. People call them different things. I like to sort of mix it up into two different things. I, I call one a pre-approval, which I say is a piece of paper that doesn't mean anything. So a pre-approval basically means the bank's done a credit check on you and as long as the information you've given them is right, they'll give you the loan. So no one's checked anything. To me, that's no good. But then what we've got what I call a conditional approval is the bank's checked your income, they've checked your liabilities, they've done a credit check. The only thing they haven't done is evaluation on your new property because you haven't found one yet. So if you do a conditional approval, then I have a lot more confidence around your potential buying power. Yeah, okay. So you definitely recommend that people do go through the pre-approval? 100%. I actually had a, I actually had a story from a real estate agent the other day where um, a different mortgage broker had um, recommended to them to um, not get clients to do pre-approvals because they're not worth anything. Which, again, I agree with. However, on the other side of it, you can get those conditional approvals. So they were actually asking for a three-month finance clause, which to even get a finance clause today is great, but a three-month one is just unrealistic. Yeah. So it's, again, knowing your client, knowing your lenders, and making sure that they marry up. So when you go to market, you're ready. Because otherwise, if you go to market and you don't have that conditional approval in place, you're not ready. You're already potentially one week to a couple of months behind the eight ball. Sure. As a, 
as a buyer's agent, uh, you know, as part of our negotiation tactics, what we recommend is using a 66W as part of the negotiation to entice the vendor to to go through with the sale. So basically all a 66W is, is, is it waives the cooling off, the standard five-day cooling off period, and the contract just initially, essentially just goes unconditional straight away. So who should be using a 66W as part of their negotiation, and what kind of financial position does someone need to be <coughs> in to actually use a 66W? 66Ws have been around for for a long time. Um, I'd say that in the last couple of years they weren't used as much because the market wasn't as hot. Um, but it is something that I'm coming across a lot more these days. So the first thing I would say is speak to your mortgage broker or your bank or your finance company or whoever it is before signing one of them. Speak to your conveyancer as well just to make sure that there's nothing hidden in there. But the type of clients that I see that I would recommend signing one would be someone with a greater than 20% deposit, someone with income that services the loan quite well and you'll get that advice from whoever's doing the loan for you um, and sort of anyone that is potentially asset-backed. Um, I don't recommend anyone who's paying lenders mortgage insurance to sign one just because things can happen. Um, it doesn't always happen but you just, ha- you just have to be wary of that because as soon as you sign that, as we know, then you're putting a much larger deposit down and it's a lot higher risk and a lot more stress on yourself. Sure, sure. How would you recommend getting yourself into the marketplace? So there's a few different ways that you can get yourself into the market these days. So um, obviously the first one being these first home buyer benefits. So the first home loan deposit scheme um, last year was really successful and I dealt with quite a lot of clients that bought their first homes that wouldn't have been ready otherwise. Um, there's the good old-fashioned way of saving a deposit. Um, you don't need 20%. Um, it's much better if you do have it. However, um, the, you can have as little as 5% savings, as long as you've saved it genuinely um, and over time. Um, the other way is if your parents have got equity in their house, which a lot will now, especially with the, um, the market increase lately, then you can actually use them as guarantor. So you can use some equity in their property to use as your deposit and then you can avoid lenders mortgage insurance that way as well. And then you don't have to worry about first home loan deposit schemes or anything like that. That's probably from a deposit point of view um, the best way to get into the market. I also recommend that when you're starting to save or when you're starting to think about buying a house, speaking to a mortgage broker then. Don't speak to a mortgage broker when you think that you're ready because when you think you're ready, you might not be ready or you might have been ready for 12 months. Hmm. Okay. What do you need as a, as a first home buyer or, or someone who is actually just trying to buy another investment property, what, what do you need to put in place before you actually put an application in for finance? So again, I think seeing a mortgage broker first, getting to do what's called a soft touch um, approval so what i do is i go through your living expenses i go through your income i go through your liabilities and then we just do a bit of a sort of overview of what you need to do so it could be cutting back on some living expenses it could be doing some debt reduction strategies um no more smashed avo or yeah well smashed avo is the thing (laughs) but i think also the turmeric lattes as well as you know um so yeah it's just it's just about 
tweaking those little things that the banks pick on. And I use the word pick on because that's what they do. The banks will pick things apart. They will go, well, Darcy, you're having smashed avocado and a turmeric latte every day. So that's now part of your living expenses, the same as you pay rent, the same as you do this, the same as you do that. Um, Once we sort of go through that, then it could be, I say to everyone, when you see me, we can put an application in one day or it could be four years' time. But we know. Not knowing is the hardest thing about applying for finance. Oh, am I ready yet? Oh, what do I need to do? We're here. Use us. We've got that wealth of knowledge. We know what's happening in the market. So especially after someone speaks to you and says, oh, I want to buy a property. This is how much I want to spend. I think I'm going to be ready in six months. That's the perfect time to come and speak to me. Sure. So how many months... Uh, worth of bank statements does a does a lender actually need when they're assessing someone's serviceability and also their their living expenses? So it depends on the lender. So anywhere from no bank statements up to six months. The majority of them are usually one month um, because they want to see income going in and they just want to have a look at those living expenses. But um, I'd probably say look, when I look at it, I'm going to look over three months and sort of do a bit of an average. Sure. Do you recommend everyone buy a copy of the Barefoot Investor and open up ING bank accounts and go that way? I recommend that (laughs) everyone with an open mind buy the Barefoot Investor. (laughs) It's a good book. I think the Barefoot Investor is a great book if you can use it for how you do your spending. The Barefoot Investor is very specific in how to do things, but you have to have a look at how you spend your money anyway. You can't change habits overnight. So there's no use going out and buying, getting splurge accounts, getting this account, getting that account, if that's not going to work for you. However, if you take two or three tips from the Barefoot Investor, that's going to work really well. Sure. A lot of people that I've seen success with, with the Barefoot Investor, have read it, understood it, and just tweaked some little things. Do you have any good news stories from the last couple of months? Yeah, so look, I've got, um, I've got some really good news stories, actually. Um, so I'll give you a couple. The first one is... Um, young couple came to me and they said, we've got no money in the bank. We've got car loans, we've got credit cards and we just want to buy our first, first house. What do we do? I went, yep, not a problem at all. So this is how much you're earning. This is how we can get rid of these debts. I think that potentially in 18 months, you might be ready. Um, touch base every six months, which we did and ended up having another child in the sort of meantime. And I think it ended up taking three years. But they did every single thing that we said to do and then they bought their first house. When they bought their first house, they said, everything that you told us, there's no way we would have done that in a million years. And we never would have been able to buy our first house. And since then, they've had the house now for, I reckon, maybe three or four years. The equity's gone up so much that they've been able to do renovations and now they're in a position to buy an investment property, which I think is, I think that's the best part about it. It's not about them buying their first home. It's not about, it's not about doing the renovations. It's now we can build our portfolio, which if they didn't follow those steps that we had, they wouldn't have even bought their first house. Now they're looking at having multiple properties and it's completely changed their lives. The other example I've got is, It's actually quite a recent one. 
it's someone came to me. They'd been to a few other mortgage brokers and they said, sorry, we can't help you. We found an alternate solution for them to refinance and pay out her ex-husband so she could keep her house. And now, because of that, her house has gone up. In the last 12 months, it's gone up maybe hundred dollars to $150,000 in value. And she was able to sell her house and buy her dream home because of that. If she had to sell the house at the same time, then you're starting $150,000 behind. And there's no way she would have been able to buy that dream home. Mm. So that's... To me, those are really good news stories. Yeah. Um, the other ones as well. So it's there's quite a lot of investment ones out there as well. They're not as um, they're not as sort of pulling of the heartstrings because <laughs> with investment, we don't want to have as much emotion around it. But I do have a client that um, probably four or five years ago bought three or four different houses within sort of a 12 to 24 month period and um, really saw potential in an area. Um, we were able to finance that and, th- and now, three or four years later, she started offloading some houses and because of that, has become debt free. Wow. So that's a really short term strategy and that's not usually one that we come across. Usually it's more of a long term strategies with it. Sure. I think it's a really good story to say there are so many different ways to do things mm. and someone to do something so quickly and look, but she's been fortunate with the climate that we've had as well. Like, let's be honest, it's been really good. We've had two booms in a couple of years, which is unheard of. Yep. So um, I think that people taking those opportunities and really sort of taking those risks can pay off. Yeah. Being a part of the the journey really, it, you know, it's an amazing feeling when when people are you're part of someone else's success. It's it's a great feeling, isn't it? Absolutely. Yeah. And and when you get a phone call out of the blue because it's not time to do their twelve month reviews, you haven't spoken to them a little while, and they go, "Look, this is what I'm going to do," and they just get so excited. Yeah. And I think that's why we do what we do. I, it's not for it's not for the stressful times. It's not for the long turnaround times. It's not for the five-day finance clauses. It's yeah. the, all of that stuff, while it gets you sort of blood rushing, and it is quite exciting, mm. there is a thrill to it. And when you can get something across the line that no one has been able to, that's really thrilling. But really, it's when you get that phone call and say, I'm debt-free. Yeah. And potentially there are tears on the other end of the line. Yeah. So it's just really, it, it's really warming and it just... It sometimes brings you back to earth a little bit and mm. just reminds you why you do what you do. For sure. James, I understand you don't just do uh, residential finance. Also, I understand that you're part of the commercial sector. Is that correct? Yeah, absolutely. So commercial is really exciting at the moment as well. I'm not going to go into all the government sort of incentives and things like that um, now, but happy to sit down and talk to anyone about them. But what I'm finding a lot of at the moment is self-managed super funds. So a lot of people are buying commercial properties in their self-managed super funds, um, especially tradies. So you might find that um, you've got a plumber or an electrician or someone like that that needs a bit of storage. They've got some, they've got some money in their super fund. So instead of paying super to MLC, to whoever, 
they're buying a property and then their super just goes as rent. So you definitely should seek financial advice before going down that road, but it's something that we're seeing a lot more of these days. Um, and it's working out really well for people that the rent that they're paying turns into their superannuation and they've got this storage shed. So, yeah. Um, we also do a lot of um, short-term short finance as well. So people, um, especially over COVID again, people are growing a lot quicker than, they, than their cash flow can keep up with. Mm. So whether it's putting on new staff, whether it's buying vehicles, whether it's just buying stock, sometimes you might just need some finance for a couple of months to really get you over that hump, get you over that hurdle and get that business to the next stage. So that's, we do a lot of that as well. Mm. Okay. So when buying an investment property, there are a lot of fees, you know, such as stamp duty and, and legal costs and, and even potentially a buyer's agent fee. Is that fee able to be financed? Yeah, absolutely. Look, that's something that we do quite often. Um, it's especially, especially with all the different types of fees that are involved. Um, so by, by investment properties, you're more than likely using equity of other investment properties or your owner-occupied house. So what we do is when we sit down, we do a cost analysis of how much this potential investment property is going to cost and we just add all the fees onto the top of it. And then when it comes to what equity needs to be pulled out, we usually try to pull out 10 or 20%, hopefully 20% plus costs. And then what we can do is we can, we can even upfront finance some of those things as well um, so that you've got some money there, whether it's putting deposits down, whether it's your fees or whatever it might be. And then that way it gives you a lot more confidence going to market, um, especially things like stamp duty and things like that. Once you're already starting to build a portfolio, it's really hard to save that extra money, especially when you've already got investment properties that you might be putting new kitchens in. You might be, you've got to pay rates on multiple houses. You've got um, tenants that aren't paying rent. The finance option is there. Equity has gone up recently. So most people will find that if they bought their house in the last 10 years, they will have good equity. And we can leverage that to pay for those fees and the deposit of a new place. Sure. Is there anything you'd like to add uh, that most people don't know about? So probably the biggest misconception is that someone goes into a bank and they get declined. That means that they can't get a loan. So we can, we can do finance for people with, that have been bankrupt before, who have got defaults on credit cards, who have got tax debts and everything like that as well. Look, you do need a bit more of a deposit for that. But I think, and I keep coming back to this, I think the biggest thing is communication. So as long as, as long as they come and talk to us and go through the situation and be super honest, there's a lot of things that we can do. There's not much we can't do. Sure, okay. Well, James, thanks a lot for coming on. Um, where can people find you? So we've got a, we've got a website, um, www.gafa, G-A-F-A, .com.au um, also on Facebook James O'Shea uh, Mortgage Broker Green Apples Finance and um, I think I'm on Instagram as well oh there you go right. well thanks a lot for coming on mate and uh, thanks everyone for watching and have a nice day